The following program is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. This is Take 4 Wrestling with your hosts, Brian Kilby and J.T. Hogg. This is Take 4 Wrestling, episode 17. I am Brian Kilby, and this is the podcast that time and space has tried to keep from happening. Between holidays and the flu and family emergencies and concerts that I forgot about and time, just like work schedules, like this podcast didn't want to happen, but here it is, and we're going to force it to happen. We're not giving up. Nope. We're just like AWA in its final years. Oh, God. Uh, I am Brian Kilby, and with me, I have the man, the myth, the legend, JT Hogg. How's it going, sir? Pretty good. How are you doing today? Not bad. Um, not bad. A little tired, but, you It's know. been forever but, since we've talked. I know, right? Uh, I, you know, I had one... <laughs> we did have some episodes in the can at one point, but uh, that's no longer the case. <laughs> we need to build that back up so we, we don't have a lapse again. Yeah, we apologize for the delay. You know what we could do, though? One thing, like with uh, the other podcasts that we do, for the most part, uh, we do them live. So I am kind of forced to to, to record them, <laughs> to make time. We could, <laughs> we could start doing that. We would just have to figure out, figure out a time to do it. Yeah, live, uh, live wrestling podcast. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be fun. We could stay up to date. Because I don't even think we uh, wished... Uh, everybody, a happy Thanksgiving on our last one. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas in case we don't get one until Christmas. Ah, uh, we will. I had the flu over <laughs> Thanksgiving, so I could not do a thing. That's the worst time to have the flu. So um, so I need to give backstory to this before I say it. My Thanksgiving was at the soup kitchen. I was volunteering the day before Thanksgiving at the soup kitchen. And uh, the local soup kitchen here. And um, they actually fed us, which I wasn't expecting, uh, but they fed us uh, uh, while we were there. So it was, it was nice. It was actually a little Thanksgiving meal. And it was the only one that I had because I ended up not being sick because of that. It was like le- <laughs> legit the real deal flu. So Yeah. Well, it's going around. Yeah. I always wanted to uh, – I'm going to have to do that one of these years. My wife works at the Salvation Army lot serving because here in our town, you get uh, three meals a day at the Salvation Army. Really? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty nice because yeah. uh, a lot of times it's their only meals that yeah. those people get. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, she works there a lot, so I'm gonna have, I want to go down there. But in my line of work, uh, some of the people that go down there don't appreciate me, so – I, 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 I can believe that, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm thinking about uh, one, t- one type of work. I guess in, possibly in both types of work that you do. That's true. You have people that don't appreciate you. <laughs> we'll just keep that under, under wraps. Um, let's see here. Uh, this week on uh, Take 4, we are going to be talking about Super Clash 3 from AWA. Um, it was uh, September – it was recorded – uh, was it September? No, December thirteenth, nineteen eighty eight, and uh, in Chicago, Illinois. Um, but before we get to that, we are going to do our gimmick of the week. But no, we're not. We're actually going to talk about um, Lesnar Goldberg two, because um, everybody talked about that, so we might as well get that in as well. Um, it was quite a surprising match that was at Survivor Series. The main event went a minute and twenty six seconds. 
I thought it was genius. Really? Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, I because really that was the only match I watched for Survivor Series, and I was uh, making some popcorn and I had it on, and I uh, sat down, had my pop. The match was just getting ready to start, and I opened up my bag of popcorn, took a, put my hand in, it was over. Yeah, pretty he much. He hit that first spear, and I, I'm like, what? Then he hit the second spear, and then he uh, hit the jackhammer. I was like, there's no way. Um, so it's really hard. I Being, being in wrestling, uh, it's really hard to surprise me a lot of times because I know a lot of the ins and outs. I'm not saying that I'm a big-time professional wrestler or anything, but you pick up on little things, and this one completely shocked me. What, what, what I liked about it is basically what I've heard a lot of people say. It was, ha- it was in place to educate the fans, to remind them that a main event of a pay-per-view doesn't have to go for 25 minutes. Yes. Well, yeah, because it's... If it needs to be presented as real, that main event can end in a second. And it's funny that only, yeah, true. It's funny that only like Brock Lesnar's matches are in any way tried to be presented as real. Yeah, and his matches are the most uh, popular ones. You know, like the most shocking and impactful. Uh, I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan right now. I would say between Lesnar and probably AJ Styles. Uh, those are the two most popular guys to for people to watch on the roster. Yeah, that's uh, probably because uh, people have been wanting to see uh, AJ Styles in WWE for years. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of AJ Styles uh, before he came in, but now I'm totally an AJ Styles mark. Yeah, he's really won me over. Uh, he's, he's just a... Uh, because I before I'd always just seen him as just a little guy that did a lot of moves, a lot of flippy moves, but he actually does tell a story in the ring, and he has good psychology, and he can work with anybody, and he's got a lot of personality. He does. Uh, but tell me more about this uh, Lesnar Goldberg match. This is the follow up to a match they had in what two thousand four? Yeah, it's WrestleMania twenty, and, and that, it had uh, that first match was terrible. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. They were both on their way out. Uh, the crowd found out about it, and they were just merciless. And um, I think the match probably would have been different if the crowd would have been into it and wouldn't have been um, so hard on them. Because I think they would have wanted to do more, wanted to be better. And because uh, having the crowd turn on you like that, and there's just no way you're going to win them back. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that match was a major bust, but the WWE just booked this one beautiful um, by having. I was shocked at the reaction Goldberg got when he came back. Me too. I, I, I did think, not I, think. Because you're not a Goldberg fan, are you? Oh, God, no. Um. And that's how I figured most wrestling fans uh, were, were um, uh, because Goldberg was over in his era, but I don't think a lot of those wrestling fans stayed around. And I think the majority of wrestling fans now, I thought, had a sour opinion of him, especially the way like uh, they treat him in history now, Like with because uh, I think it was Triple H was dogging him on one of the DVDs, and a bunch of pe- different people were dogging him. Um, and he wasn't around very long either. 
I always kind of uh, say that Goldberg is kind of like um, Ultimate Warrior in a way. He got in, became hugely, hugely popular, and then got out. Um, I think Goldberg got out on his own terms a little bit more with because uh, Ultimate Warrior got fired a few times. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Goldberg was an older guy when he started. And uh, I think Goldberg was like the perfect... They booked Goldberg perfectly in WCW when he debuted. Um, I remember the night he beat uh, Hugh Morris for uh, for the first time. Just out of nowhere, he beat him. And um, then they just built him up, built him up, built him up. Um, Once he lost, it was over. I think they lost everything they could have done with him. Um, Because they could have had that streak going on for years. Because he was that, that over. But... Uh, yeah, I was fully surprised with the reaction he got when he came back to WWE. People were just very happy to see him. Um, he looks, he still looks great too. I mean, he looks a little older. That's it. Yeah. I was worried because they weren't showing him. Uh, he always had that big puffy jacket on before the matches, before the match happened. So I was kind of worried that if, when he took that jacket off, he was going to be all like skinny and deflated. Like some of those uh, guys get when they get older, but uh, yeah, he—I mean, he looked like he could beat Brock Lesnar. He, so he was legitimately hurt when the match happened. Apparently, he, sh- he had a shoulder injury, which is one of probably not necessarily the reason the match was short. I mean, it, I agree that the match went the, as much as I do not like Bill Goldberg, and I still don't like Bill Goldberg. I have to admit that he looks a lot better today than most of the guys on the roster do, which is sad. Yeah. Uh but uh but yeah, I mean he looked good. It was probably the right finish. It will make them more money down the road. Fans are way into him. And I expected fans to turn on him. Especially in like Toronto. Um with the fact that he ended Bret Hart's career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh yeah, that didn't help him with the fans, I remember. I mean he is a le- he is a legitimately bad wrestler. But I mean, but the thing to is, to be honest, on that Bret Hart kick, that wasn't all Goldberg's fault. Well, I mean, but I mean, that doesn't change the fact he's legitimately a bad wrestler. But the thing is, we've had a lot of wrestlers in time that have been bad wrestlers, and yeah. the whole point of setting up a match, laying it out, is to protect a guy to keep him from being exposed as being a bad wrestler. Yeah, uh, they did. WCW always didn't do the best job of protecting Goldberg. Uh, but this is like the best possible example of how to protect him and keeping fans and everybody from seeing what a terrible wrestler he is. Well, I wouldn't call him a terrible wrestler. Okay, he's an abomination as a wrestler. <laughs> how is that? Well, you don't like demolition, so what do you? What do you I mean? like demolition. I just don't necessarily think they're that important. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I okay. like them. Now, I mean, Goldberg is like legitimately real deal. Like, he is not the worst wrestler I've ever seen. He's better than like Baron Corbin or somebody like that. But yeah, um, well, I think Goldberg was definitely or, or, an attraction. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and WCW built him up brilliantly. And I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumping on him because he's bad. I mean, a lot of wrestlers that I we you know that were loved were bad. Junkyard Dog, terrible wrestler. People loved him. Hulk Hogan did the same match over and over again for the most part. People loved yeah. him. The Ultimate Warrior. Uh, Goldberg is better is better than the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, when I they say, just basically did what they need to do. Yeah, 
Uh, not everybody is an AJ Styles. I guess ultimately just what I'm saying. Maybe but, we'll see Goldberg versus AJ Styles. Yeah, but for the most part, but for <laughs> the most part today, fans demand a quality, talented wrestler, which is you know one of the reasons that I was totally shocked that he is still over. But he totally yeah, was. yeah. It's uh yeah, I was definitely surprised because when they said they're bringing back Goldberg, I'm like, oh, these fans today aren't going to care about that. And uh, I think he got over more than uh, Batista. Oh when God! Batista yeah, came back, and you mean when, that also surprised me. You mean when Batista came back uh, when he took Daniel Bryan's spot? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Shawn yeah. Michaels could have come back at that point and taken Daniel <laughs> Bryan's spot and got booed. Well, I think he came back and just announced it when he came back and he, he just announced he was in the battle royal. The crowd was still happy to see him. Hell, hell, The Rock probably could have come back at that point and got booed. <laughs> and I, I, he, it sounds like a joke, but The Rock got booed when he was uh, with Roman Reigns a couple. A yeah, that's pretty bad. You know, somebody is not well liked when you get The Rock booed. Yeah, so. I like his uh, the face The Rock made too. He's like, oh man, what yeah. A- <laughs> I'm gonna throw to my that. cousin. Out. Uh, but yeah, so uh, any other thoughts around Lesnar Goldberg too? Do we are we going to see a three? Oh, definitely. Uh, WrestleMania, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to happen. And I imagine this match will be a lot longer. Um, which I don't know if it'll be to its uh, positive or detriment. But um, it's definitely going to draw a lot of money because I'm excited about it. And uh, of course, well, you really can't draw too much money now. It's the network. Now that I think about it. Well, they, so. still, they still have to draw people to uh, – it's in Orlando, so they're going to have to fill the uh, arena there. So Yeah, yeah, they'll definitely fill the arena for this. Uh, no, it's I just, think so. I mean, I, I'm certain there have been manias that haven't sold out, right? Oh, yeah, there's been quite a few. Um, but I think I think this one will probably do pretty well just on this. The last couple manias have just been awful. I'm uh yeah I'm still I'm still kind of planning on going to this one but it's I'm not 100% firm. I actually need to uh, talk to my buddy Jason and talk to my wife to see uh, if we're still planning on doing that. Well, you could uh yeah you you could be there cheering for Goldberg live. I sure could. Okay, <laughs> you could be part of the Goldberg chant. Yeah yeah so uh God. Uh, actually, that's just piped in over a speaker, so nobody even has to say <laughs> anything for that. Uh, speaking of uh, screwy finishes, um, Super Clash Three is famous for screwy finishes. Um, the basically the the two main cards on the uh, two main main two matches on the cards uh, ended with uh, basically a screw job finish. What not so much uh, not so much a screw job finish as we know them today, but the equivalent of of one uh, from back in the eighties. And uh, we'll get into that here in a minute. But let's go ahead and start off with the first match on Super Clash 3. Well, uh, I have some um, pretty interesting figures on these Super Clashes. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, this really shows the decline of um, AWA, and it's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Because uh, AWA was definitely a powerhouse. Absolutely. In the early 80s. But um, they they actually had their first Super Clash in uh, 1985. Mm-hmm. It was at Kaminsky Park in mm-hmm. Chicago, and that was uh, September 28, 1985. The uh, main event, well, there's actually two main events for this. It was uh, Ric Flair uh, against Magnum TA for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. That's awesome. 
And then uh, Rick Martel and Stan Hansen for the AWA Heavyweight Championship. Also awesome. Which, incidentally, uh, that match ended in a double countout, and it was only two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> so that's a kind of a little interesting foreshadowing. So being in Comiskey Park, it had to have a pretty good attendance. What was that? Uh, 20,347. Wow. Now, if you uh, go to Super Clash 2 which took place in the Cow Palace in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. The Cow Palace is a famous uh, arena that uh, a lot of wrestlers love wrestling in. Yes, and it was uh, it was actually 1987, which was two years later. Um, the, you can already see the decline. Um, the uh, main event for this match was um, Jimmy Snuka and Russ Francis defeating the Terrorist and the Mercenary. That was the actual last match, but the main event was actually fourth on the card for some reason, and it was uh, Kurt Henning versus Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA Championship. The attendance for this show was two thousand eight hundred people. That's a that, that's few that's that's fewer. That's a heck of a drop. Um, so now we're on to the show we're watching today, Super Clash Three. Um, we'll be talking about it. Uh, it's at the uh, UIC Pavilion in Chicago. It had 1,672 people. Dang. And um, the final Super Clash, which was in 1990, with the wonderful main event of the Trooper and Paul Diamond defeating the Destruction Crew in a steel cage match, and um, Larry Sabisco defeating Mr. Sato for the AWA championship. Um, it actually rose up a little bit in attendance at the uh, St. Paul Civic Center in Minnesota, at a, but it was at 2,000 people, and they didn't even record it. It's not on tape. What? He didn't record it? <laughs> yeah, no TV, no TV cameras were present for some reason. That is crazy. I have no idea. But um, it's, it's sad because AWA was a, a, just a top company. Um, if you remember the AWA wrestling figures, I do not. Those, oh, they're they're called Super Clash. They were great. They're like He-Man figures. And um, I know my uh, friend uh, Tom McLean, who listens to the show, loves his He-Man figures. But um, the AWA figures, uh, they were uh, I, I got them from actually uh, um, places like Value City and Odd Lots. I don't know if you do. You have any odd lots down uh, there? They're big lots here. Okay, they're called though. odd lots in our yeah. in our neck of the woods. But um, yeah, they had guys like uh, it was the they had the Road Warriors. They had uh, Stephen Regal, not the Englishman. Um, you could get the uh, Boris Zukov, which is he's worth like two thousand dollars. The Boris Zukov figure because he's really rare. He had like Nord, Nord the Barbarian. Um, they were really cool, and they had a ring, uh, a little wooden ring too that you could buy. And um, I remember getting uh, a double pack that came with a AWA video, VHS video. And it was uh, the figures it came with were Ricky Steamboat and Kurt Henning. So wait, 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 wait. So I'm looking at I'm looking at eBay right now. Uh, the AWA Steve Regal figures. It's not the Steve Regal that we know. No, it was uh, the call. It was just a guy called the Young Lion, Steve Regal. Interesting. 
And a uh, funny story about that is uh, William Regal, when he came over to WWE or WCW, uh, he was worried because when he when he wanted to come up with his wrestling name, he saw that guy's name in a wrestling magazine, and he thought, well, he's in America. I'll never come across him, and it sounds cool. Uh-huh. So that's what he used. Oh, my God. I didn't realize. I, I mean, they have muscle men knockoffs. Oh, yeah, the little ones. Mini mashers. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. I need these. Yeah, they have a Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Uh, Greg Gagne. Um, why, do I, pretty, why did I not know about these? That is kind of weird. You, you should have known about those. They're, uh, they're really cool little figures. They came with little outfits. Um, like, uh, you could take their outfits off. They were way better than the LJN figures at the time. I, I loved them a lot more. Of course, I had no idea who guys like Greg Gagne were. Yeah, I need this but, Michael P.S. <laughs> Hayes figure. Yep, they had all three of the Freebirds. They even had a, a Precious figure that came with Jimmy Garvin. That's amazing. And it, she was like a little Barbie doll girl. Like, uh, kind of like, um, what were those uh, Shira knockoff figures? There were Shira knockoffs? I'm not, not familiar. They were like some like women of war or something. They were, but that's, uh, they're all made by Remco. So, because Remco made a lot of those uh, Masters of the Universe knockoff figures too. Yeah, not surprising. But uh, those, I think those are, those were the best of the wrestling figures. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. Okay, so Super Clash 3. Uh, the first match on the card uh, was uh, Chavo Guerrero, Mondo Guerrero, and Hector Guerrero uh, defeating Cactus Jack uh, the Rock and, Roll, and the Rock and Roll RPMs. Um, this was interesting to me um, in the sense that placing the timeline, it was late 80s, so I really thought it was going to be uh, before what I would almost consider more modern wrestlers, I, I think any person, I think any person who really wrestled in their prime around, say, the Attitude Era and after, I really think of that as more as modern. And anybody in like the oh gosh, what would you call the the Bret Hart years, like the nineties, any anything before that, I would say is more yeah, I guess classic. Any than after than anything like before that. So I was really surprised to see. Uh, Cactus Jack and Chavo Guerrero too, but um, I guess eh, that, that no, it's Chavo Guerrero Senior. Uh, was it Chavo Guerrero that looked like uh, Eddie? Because Chavo uh, was Hector. Ed, Hector looked like Eddie. Hector looked like. And is it Chavo though that it's Eddie's brother? Yeah, those all three of those guys were Eddie's Eddie, brother. That's what, okay. Um, so Eddie was, I guess, he was younger, sort of like I, I am in my family. But um, I guess if Eddie were still alive, he'd be what in his fifties now. Uh, I don't think so. I think he was younger than that. He might just be skirting across fifty. But um, yeah, he was, uh, he was actually closer in age to Chavo uh, Guerrero Jr., yeah. which of course is Chavo Guerrero's son. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, but- this was a. Uh, it was uh, interesting seeing all the Guerrero brothers together. It, yeah, it was. Uh, but to me, having Cactus Jack, which again, this is a little earlier than I would normally place Cactus Jack, but this was, of course, before he came to WCW. 
And I, I got to remember that, that AWA, uh, as it faded, uh, it, really even before, because this is where like Hogan and Mean Gene and Ric Flair and a lot of guys came from, um, that it was it ended up being a sort of a feeder system almost for what ended up becoming the two big promotions, which were WWF and WCW. Yeah, a lot of guys really cut their teeth in uh, AWA. Um, if you notice, too, if you looked at the uh, referee was uh mike enos yeah yeah yeah. from the uh um the beverly brothers but uh so it was kind of cool seeing him being the referee for that and uh i thought uh you could tell cactus uh was pretty uh green in this match yeah he looked very confused the whole time and there was a um and he was a lot of he, he was thin Relatively speaking. Oh, yeah. Super thin for what we know him as, like, later on. Uh, he couldn't have been wrestling for very long before this, actually, now that I think about it. So this is in 88. I think he started in 87, maybe. Um, but he was trained by Dominic DiNucci. And uh, he was, like, in the class with, like, Shane Douglas and a lot of those guys. Uh, in general, though, what do you think of the match? Uh, it was pretty decent match. It was pretty fast paced. Um, it was uh, it's kind of interesting seeing guys like work the right side in in um, in wrestling because we're always taught to uh, work the left. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, being in from Mexico and working luchador, they were all working the right. And uh, I noticed that the uh, camera work was very bad in this yeah. match. WWF really trains you to expect good camera work. But not being in the business, why Why are you trained to work the left? Uh, well, it's just um, – it's more of a universal system. Because it tends uh, to be the weaker limb for a person? Uh, it just – you always just know wh- where to go to. Um, and a lot of times I think um, – I could be wrong about this, but starting off when they were first doing TV, the um, the hard camera was always to the left. Ah. So they always wor- tried to work towards the hard camera. But I think it was just more of a universal so you don't get confused on things. Like if you grab the wrong leg, you always know what where, where they're going. Um, it's kind of like uh, – because I can't do a headlock on the wrong, uh, the other side. It's just impossible for me to do it or doing like suplexes to the other side. It's just I'm so ingrained to do it on that side of the right side that um, it's more just universal. uh, So everybody won't get confused and like puttering around and stepping on each other and stuff. But but you can always tell a bad worker like uh, like on an uh, independent show if they're putting headlocks on like the right side. Um, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, we had a guy that, um, I had to book, uh, I was booking for a company up here and, um, there was a guy on our show that I couldn't stand, but the promoter liked him for some reason. So we always had to book him and he always did everything with the wrong side. And I would always yell at him for it when he came to the back. Well, I saw him put a headlock on, um, and I like peeked my head through the curtain. I was like, "Wrong side, jackass!" So, That's awesome. uh, well, yeah, he, he made me very mad. I didn't like him very much. 
as far as I, I thought this did a pretty good job of setting the tone for the for the show, and I had high hopes. We we communicated a little bit about back and forth as I was watching this, and my opinion sort of changed over time. Um, uh, after maybe a later match, so, uh, but I thought it was a pretty good start to the match. Now the next, the uh, it was a beautiful moonsault at the end too. Yeah. Uh, the next match um, features one of my least favorite guys. I am not a Jeff Jarrett fan. I'm in no Uh-oh. way, shape, or form a Jeff Jarrett fan. <laughs> and um, it, I mean, I, I didn't realize he was wrestling at uh, at this point back then. But I, I guess he was because '87 he would have been in his uh, what? I mean, he would have been in his mid twenties, I guess, at that point. Yeah, he started wrestling pretty young too. I, oh, I no, I just checked. I just checked uh, uh, Wikipedia. Actually, at this point, he would have been twenty. So he was a very young man. Very young man. I mean, he looked it too. Um, just never been, a, was, never been a fan of the guy. This was for the uh, WCWA World Light Heavyweight Championship, and uh, it's kind of funny looking at their light heavyweights as compared to today's light heavyweights. Because uh, these guys are smaller, but they're not that small of guys, really. Yeah. Well, uh, Eric Amber and Jeff Jarrett. Like, uh, what a small guy would have been you know, defined as is much different back then. Uh, I mean, uh, Eric Embry, I he's built at like 232 pounds, which when you have in the land of the Giants, 232 pounds is kind of small. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can see why a lot of people don't like Jeff Jarrett. Um I don't mind, like I don't mind him too much, because um, he's kind of that uh, style I like. Um, I definitely cared for him more in WWF. I didn't really care for him much in WCW, and um, I liked a lot of his stuff in Smoky Mountain or not Smoky Mountain, um, USWA mm-hmm. a lot. And um, but yeah, I can see why definitely people don't like him. I don't think he was ever like the main event guy. Um, I think he was always a good mid-carder, but I don't think, a, like, um, what that one Mike Graham say about him, he broke a thousand guitar- guitars and didn't draw a dime. Yeah. And uh, now he's uh, trying to sell gold. But um, he's, yeah, he's just not a main event guy. But um, I thought it was kind of interesting because this, uh, this was when AWA was still very uh, cross-promotional. Mm-hmm. And um, like uh, the previous show before, they would have NWA guys. And, um, of course, that was stopped by this time. And I think they only had, like, it was just the uh, AWA and, like, the world-class wrestling and um, some USWA guys on this show. So uh, let me just – I want to revisit one thing real quick. The reason I don't like Jeff Jarrett was because – you remember the No Mercy pay-per-view where he wrestled China? Yes. And, of course, his contracted lab, so he demanded – I mean, I don't blame him. He he demanded, like, a ton of money to show up and wrestle. So he got yes. paid somewhere between, I think, like, two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000, something like that, to wrestle that match. I don't blame him, but I don't like him, mostly because <laughs> of that. Well, supposedly that was the uh, start of TNA. I read that someplace. That was He used that to start TNA. Uh, not surprised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, any what do you, what, generally, what do you think about this match? I did like the fact that back then Eric Embry 
was um, called flamboyant. Huh. Because <laughs> he was probably one of the least flamboyant flamboyant guys I've ever seen. Yeah. But uh, it was it was an all right match. They were definitely working really hard because they knew this was like their national stage. And um, they're both really young. Uh, it was it was a good match. I didn't have much of a problem with it. Uh, I you know it, it is what it is. I liked the next next match way more, even though it was only like twenty seconds long. Because <laughs> any any idea? The Boogie Woogie Man. Boogie Woogie Man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jimmy Valiant. Yeah, he's awesome. He uh, he's just so much fun. Um, tagging with him was really really cool because he was moving the whole time. Oh yeah. And he's he's in his eighties now. He's a, he's an old man, but he's still he just can, he can still go. Yeah, he's still juking and jiving and hitting people in the hoo ha and everything. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. This was a very short match against uh, Wayne Bloom, who also went on to become one of the Beverly Brothers. And um, yeah, it was twenty four seconds. So I think this was just uh, just to get him out there and give him to dance and stuff, which is fun. You it didn't sound like there. I couldn't tell if there was music or not. Uh, I honestly didn't pay attention. I do a lot of this sometimes um, while doing other things. So sometimes I'll have it muted while doing it so yeah it was i thought i thought it was interesting i couldn't tell if maybe wwe had edited it out or it was just they didn't have music because i know um uh gagney was very old school and he just did not want to change and i think that was probably that was the one of the downfalls of the awa was that he didn't want to change with the times so I just wonder if they, they probably didn't have music at all. But, um, of course, you're booking somebody like Jimmy Valiant, who's who's all flamboyant and gimmicky and all this stuff. But uh, I every time he shows up on a, on a show we watch, I always enjoy it. But um, did uh, were you paying attention to the promos with the women in between the matches? Uh, some of them. So the terrorist... Like, yeah. oh my god, that's so crazy! And I was trying to look up information on her, and I could find nothing. Yeah, I did. I did the exact same thing. I was like, try. She doesn't even have an entry on Wikipedia. Uh, no, she doesn't. And uh, I just thought, it, I was like, wow, that's just that's just nineteen eighties gimmick all over there. It's just like she's a terrorist. That's she, it. She's a terrorist. <laughs> but uh, the one woman was Ivory. If you notice that, yep. Nina. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I will say this. I think that, oh ba- based on the terrorist build, I don't think she was a wrestler. Yeah, that the uh, company they wrestled for was pretty interesting. Um, they just got all these women together that were like models, and they put out like um, interviews, and they would interview all these women, and if they they got hired. They they were all trained at the same time by uh, Hector. Like, I think it was Hector or Chavo Guerrero, and they were all specifically just taken off the street to form this company, this wrestling company. Yeah, uh, yeah. She de- definitely did not look like a wrestler. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> but we'll get to that women yeah. woman battle royal here in a little bit. But <laughs> I just love the the promos were just the, with the women were just awful. Yeah, all night and they kept doing it like every other match. Uh, to be completely honest, I don't remember the fourth match, which was uh, King Parsons, Iceman King Parsons uh, versus Brickhouse Brown. 
uh, it just did not reg- register to me. Yeah, they. Um, it was for the uh, Texas title, even though uh, one guy was from Florida and the other guy was like Minnesota, which I thought was interesting. But um, they were. Uh, it wasn't much of a match. It was only five minutes. Um, they lost the crowd really bad in this match. And um, it had a really neat uh, black uh, backslide neckbreaker in it, which I think was actually an accidental move. Huh. But <laughs> it, was, it looked really cool. And the guy didn't die, so. Hey, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an all right match. It was two guys that I don't really know a lot about. Uh, they both had interesting looks. So the next match, it's another one that didn't really register for me, except for the fact that it had Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond in it, who I, I was always a big fan of. It also it featured Diamond Dallas Page uh, and Medusa. It was uh, the Top Guns, which uh, were Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes and Wendy Richter against Bad Company, again, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka with Medusa. And uh, DDP was um, the, I guess, Medusa's manager? Uh, yeah. Well, he managed Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka, too. Oh, so I, I've heard story. I've heard DDP uh, tell stories about this time, but I've never actually seen him from this time. So that was re- it was really interesting. I mean, um, I mean, obviously, I, I've seen him when he was just a manager, but it's just odd to see him look relatively young. Because he again, he started wrestling like at thirty five, so he was probably <laughs> at this point in his late twenties, maybe early thirties. Yeah, with his big giant hair. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this was uh like I had no idea who Riz, Ricky Rice or Derek, Derek Dukes were or was. Yeah. Uh, of course, I knew Wendy Richter, and uh, Bad Company was actually the Orient Express mm-hmm. in WWE. Uh, it was a very sloppy match. Uh, a lot of a lot of the moves were very sloppy, and the uh, the finish was just it made a uh, bad company look really bad. If you noticed, um, where uh, Wendy uh, sold uh, she she no sold Pat Tanaka's uh, Savat kick because I think she was supposed to duck and it was supposed to hit Medusa. So she just stayed there, and Pat Tanaka hit her, and she just then um, she he did it again, and then she moved and it hit Medusa, and then uh, Medusa got up afterwards like it was no big deal. Yeah. So it made uh, I thought this match made Pat Tanaka look really bad, which is unfortunate because he's really he's a really good worker. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I this match was just it was it was a little hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I loved Bad Company slash the Orient Express, but Pat Tanaka was my favorite of the two. Oh, yeah. Far Pat, and, far Pat away. Was, he's pretty cool. And I've always liked uh, Medusa Maselli, too. Oh, yeah, Medusa's great. Um, she absolutely is. She's a monster cu- uh, truck driver now, I think. I, I've That's heard she, that. I've heard that. Which is very interesting. Yeah, like uh, I mentioned before with um, uh, Jeff Jarrett sort of screwing over the WWF – of course, Medusa uh, famously threw the women's title in the trash on WCW, um, but that's not something that she necessarily wanted to do. And um, I mean, and Vince ended up forgiving her and putting her in the Hall of Fame. So I, I think, that, yeah, I think that's cool. I do not expect to ever see Jeff Jarrett in the Hall of Fame. No, well, yeah, because that uh, what Jeff Jarrett did was like 
more personal. What Medusa did was just she was paid to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember uh, when in between uh, Hulk Hogan one time in WWE, he went over to IWGP and uh, went for their title. And um, he had like his WWE heavyweight belt or WWF at the time, a heavyweight title on the uh, table with him. And it was next to the IGP. And he actually said, he's like, this is, he's like, I've been world champion before. He's like, but this is just a trinket compared to the IWGP title. And uh, I remember one of my friends got mad about that. And I was like, well, he's getting paid to sell this title is making it important, you know? So you can't really blame him because he's just, he was probably told to say that and they're paying him a lot of money, you know? And that's what titles are, just uh, their enhancements. So I didn't really see the problem with him saying that too much. And uh, heck, Stan Hansen ran over the IWA title. But uh, that was, I think that was personal though. But, um, so like Medusa, I didn't really like, that was definitely Eric Bischoff, Bischoff all over that. And in yeah. fact, I think they got sued for that, didn't they? Uh, I think so. And then, um, he couldn't do anything more with the titles. So that's why Bret Hart taking the WWF title over to Nitro would have never happened. Like, uh, Vince was worried about. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Next match, uh, Greg Gagne. Uh, defeated Ron Garvin, which was kind of interesting to see uh, both of those guys um, to me because I've never really watched a lot of AWA. And, of course, Greg is the son of Vern, and <laughs> Ron Garvin is Ron Garvin. So it was just nice to see uh, a match that I've never uh, – a pairing that I've never seen before. This was for the vacant AWA International Television Championship. And um, it's uh, – it was a it was an all right match. It's just wrestling is just so different now. When I was watching this match, um, just everything about wrestling is uh, like how slow paced these matches were. And it just it's it's a big shock whenever you watch older matches like this compared to today's matches. Like just from the presentation to the style and everything, how different wrestling's evolved over the years. But I guess you get that from really any sport, because even watching football from 1985 to football now is just completely different. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like, uh, this one ended on a count-out, and uh, Greg Gagne was actually <laughs> won a title by count-out, which I thought was interesting. Which is but... weird. Which is weird. This is one of those matches that sort of had a screw finish, It's not. It's but it's not the last. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, the crowd completely turned on Greg Gagne, too. And um, I think uh, this that promo he cut afterwards, I, I remember reading something that he wasn't supposed to do that, where he talked about how the Minnesota Vikings were better than the Bears anyway. Hmm. And uh, his dad was real mad at him for cutting a promo. But I think Greg Gagne was an example of uh, nepotism. Uh, you think? Because... <laughs> He looked like uh, Greg Brady, and uh, he was an all right wrestler, but he was not—he um, was not where he should have been on the roster. Um, but of course, his dad pushed the heck out of him because heck, his dad was AWA champion for a long time. Yeah, when you run the company, you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it just wasn't. 
it wasn't going to uh, do anything for the AWA to keep him on top. But I mean, but Vern was a legitimate, you know, tough guy too. Yeah, yeah, Vern could have beat just about anybody. Just about anybody. Uh, let's see here. Next match. Okay, it's the it's the women's uh, battle royal. Uh, and the Syrian terrorist ended up winning. <laughs> Um, so in this the, is a very classy match. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let's see here. Um, I love the stereo, uh, the racial stereotype gimmicks in all this too. I think they tried to offend everybody all at once. Like with the Syrian terrorist, uh, they had Pocahontas. Yeah. <laughs> you had like uh, Peggy Lee leather, which was obviously the biker. Uh, Luna was in this. Yep. Luna Vachon. And she cut, I, an Ultimate Warrior promo before this match. Uh, uh, yeah, she I sounded caught, I caught just that. like the Ultimate Warrior. It was bad. So I just, so obviously we know where Ultimate Warrior got his character from. Pretty much. Because, <laughs> but yeah, this was uh this was like you either threw him over the top rope or you stripped him. And I am really surprised that there were no uh, topless women in this match. Okay. With that being said, I don't want, I don't want to get too sexist or anything, but. You know, this is 1987, so this is, what, 29 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, the, of course, everybody, it, it's kind of, it's dated. Everybody looked like they were from the 80s or that transition period. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the Syrian terrorist was built like a modern fitness model would have been. I mean, she was very, very more modernly built, say, than other female wrestlers at the time would be she would she looks more like what um what uh, john laurinaitis would would have hired uh <laughs> to be a wrestler uh if if you catch my drift like yeah. she was she, like she was plucked out of a lingerie catalog or something um didn't look like a wrestler at all did not look like a wrestler i i'm assuming her accent was fake as hell <laughs> but uh you know i have to say i have to say if she, if uh, wwf had picked her up she could have been sunny before she was before sunny because uh i mean damn she was actually pretty attractive yeah yeah some of the other women weren't as much in yeah. that match but yeah this uh I didn't even understand her like I wonder where they even got that gimmick for her. they just must have picked it out of a hat or yeah. something because yeah. she wasn't dressed like a terrorist. She was in like a, a I don't like a, a gown, like not a gown, but like, I don't know, like a, she almost looked French to me more than anything, but she got her, uh, pantyhose torn off and she kept having to pull down her skirt. But yeah, I'm very surprised that there wasn't any wardrobe malfunctions in this match. Yeah. Fortunately. Uh, Luna Vachon looked great in it. Um, she was definitely the standout. Because she had that big, big uh, hair and uh, big gruff voice, but uh, she's—I've always been a big fan of Luna Vachon. But uh, other than that, that was about it. They kept uh, talking about the one was it Brandy May, the farmer's daughter, that they kept talking about, like she was like the country girl, but she was wearing like a, a evening gown dress. It was uh, it was very weird. Luckily, it didn't last very long. It was so only about eight minutes. I'm just doing some digging, and uh, the Syrian terrorist, I think the reason that I couldn't find anything is because um, she only she didn't really go by that. Uh, she went in glow. She was in glow, and she went by Palestina, which, again, is terribly 
um, stereotypical and and racist, really. Um, but <laughs> she she apparently did have a wrestling career of sorts. Um, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Huh. It's very interesting. Her name was Janine Jewett. Janine Jewett. Yeah. I have to look her up. Maybe I can get it, get an interview with her sometime. Yeah, that'd be neat. I wonder if she still wrestles. Uh, probably not. <laughs> I don't, uh, very few. I think, uh, Luna and Nina were the only ones that really went on to anything after this. And of course, Luna passed away. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Yeah. She seemed like she'd have been a fun lady to hang around. Probably scary, but fun. She ended up uh, marrying Gangrel. Yeah, that's right. That was a very odd little couple there. Okay, let's see here. What do we got next? We have... The boot camp match. Uh, Sarge. Sergeant Slaughter versus Colonel De Beers. Uh, this is kind of bad. Yeah, uh, this was the match where I noticed the uh, empty seats on the hard cam. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I had to look up the attendance because I was like, how many people are here? Because it was bad. Like, you would have never seen this on a WWE show or WWF show. Even at the time, they would have uh, moved all the people to one side and covered up the rest of it so it wouldn't have looked so empty. But it was that building was empty because they had um, 1,672 people. It could hold 9,000 people. What? I didn't realize that. Yeah, Holy so it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure how they paid all their wrestlers for the night. They probably didn't. Mm. But, um, yeah, the boot camp match, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't very good. Even though Colonel De Beers, I like him a lot. And he was managed by uh, Diamond Dallas Page for some reason. Mm. But this... Uh, Sar- Sergeant Slaughter was the only one that I that I could hear the music because he came out to the uh, was that the Marine March or whatever that bum 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 you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah okay yeah that's why he's coming out that's but um, I always liked uh, Colonel De Beers and I've always liked Sergeant Slaughter too he had a lot of uh, cross promotion with me with uh, GI Joe. So I always loved him in G.I. Joe, the movie. And uh, this was when he was uh, on G.I. Joe. So it was at the uh, height of his popularity, I believe. Uh, it was. In fact, they even mentioned G.I. Joe in this, which yeah. WWF, I don't know that they even ever mentioned G.I. Joe. Well, yeah, I think that's why he that he left uh, WWE. Uh, because uh, Vince wanted to cut. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think overall probably sorry he made the smart decision. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, but yeah, so um, kind of a crappy match. Yeah, not nothing special. Which led us to uh, Samu and Fatu, aka the Samoan SWAT team, uh, versus Michael Hayes and Steve Cox. Now, hey, this, watch your mouth. Yeah, the Steve Cox one <laughs> is the surprising thing here. Why Steve Cox? Yeah. That's uh, 
I just wonder. Uh, I'm trying to. Look. It looks like that's his real name. So I'm sure he could have came up with something different. But uh, this was an interesting match because Buddy uh, Buddy Roberts was managing the Samoan SWAT team. Yeah. Which I wonder. Uh, they must have been having an angle here um, where the Freebirds broke up. But uh, this was for the uh, WCWA World Tag Team Championship. And um, I just, I, I loved how they kept calling Steve Cox, uh, do it to you, Cox. All night. Because um, <laughs> that was his moniker. But um, this was also the point of the show where I realized how much the show could have benefited from video packages. There were none. Uh, yeah, absolutely. None. It just hit me when you said that. Because I thought of this. I mean, it, it almost comes across just a, as like a house show that ha- happens to have a few backstage interviews. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, I did, it didn't <laughs> even click until you said that. Yeah, I got about halfway through and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on for any of these matches. So I think maybe watching it at the time, if you were a regular watcher of these of the product here, which really you wouldn't have been, because this wasn't all AWA. Now that I think about it, because you would have had to watch uh, World Class Wrestling too. Um, so if you didn't watch World Class Wrestling, you would have had no idea what was going on, because. Uh, a lot of these matches were like uh, USWA and World Class. So I find that very interesting. Um, now that I even think about it. But like, I wanted to know why Buddy Rhodes, uh, Buddy Roberts, and Michael Hayes were fighting. Yeah. And we'll uh, never know. <laughs> yeah. Never, never be able to tell. And um, I mean, a lot of these, I think it would have made the matches a lot better if I would have known what was going on. But, of course, they probably didn't think about somebody watching these things 35 years later, you know? Yeah, true. Or they didn't have the funds to actually pay for the production. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next match, uh, Wahoo McDaniel versus Manny Fernandez. It was an Indian strap match. Now, what did you think about this match? Uh, I I liked it. It was all right. It was. Uh, this was actually my favorite match on the card. Yeah, it was not fancy, but it was very effective. I mean, for what one, it was trying to get for yeah. one, it was Wahoo, which made me happy. Yeah, and two is an Indian strap match, which are always <laughs> fun to watch. Yes, and uh, he's never lost an Indian strap match. Man, Wahoo, Wahoo McDaniel Indian. was was something. Yeah, the uh, um, this was a very just bloody and brutal match. Uh, it wasn't. It was only like seven minutes long. Uh, Wahoo was. Pretty, he was up there in age by this time, mm-hmm. but he's still over going strong. Hell, if yeah. Wahoo were if Wahoo were around today, I would watch his matches. <laughs> yeah, Wahoo, he's uh, always produced some pretty good matches on all these shows I've been watching because I wasn't exposed to Wahoo a lot um, originally. Um, so I'm that's the good thing about doing a show is I'm getting exposed to a lot of guys that I haven't seen a lot of their work um, initially. And going back and watching them, I mean, it's it helps me as a wrestling fan 
to uh, learn new things and get to able to experience some of these guys that maybe don't get the credit that they're uh, getting today or they should get today. So Wahoo got a lot of exposure in Jim Crockett. So, I mean, and even when I wasn't watching um, Jim Crockett, it was still part of our local culture. Like my grandma would talk about Wahoo, Um, (laughs) like, like she knew him. Uh, so it, I mean, it really warms my heart to see Wahoo wrestle anytime at all, period. So you're, uh, that's right. Your grandma was a real big wrestling fan, wasn't oh, oh she? Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. She loved Ric Flair. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said she had the, uh, Starcade program. Oh yeah. It, because she was there. Uh, so wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, we're not that far from Greensboro. Yeah. So they would go to Greensboro to watch uh, the matches. So, and you watched them a lot with her? No, I did not. Oh, uh, she gave them to me on tape uh, years later. Uh, so that's when I really got first exposed to the stuff. Yeah, I used to uh, go to a lot of the shows. Um, see, I was a WWF baby. Yeah, me too. Um, so I went to a lot of the shows at the uh, Columbus Civic Center with my dad. My dad always uh, took me to them. And that's where I got to see, like, Ultimate Warrior against Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan versus Earthquake. It was just uh, something ingrained in me. It's, you know? it's like one of those things as a kid. I've heard other people say this exact same thing. You'd watch WWF and you'd be like, ah, oh, that's the fake stuff. You'd watch Mid-Atlantic and, like, that's the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, I legitimately thought the stuff that happened at, at Mid-Atlantic was real. Yeah, I've heard about that before. I've heard that that's how they... Because uh, I forget who said that was a Harley Race that said he's like I don't uh, he's like I want him to say well, I don't know about the rest of that stuff on the card but that Harley Race is real yeah so I mean I remember I got I guess I was eight years old watching um, which is my favorite match of all time we, we've talked about it but it was the uh, match between um, Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA the uh, I Quit match like I watched that over and over as a kid and I'm like this is real. This, this is the real stuff. That looked real. I it have to. Did. I mean, there's, that was uh, that was brutal and just it was a fight. Um, and that's uh, something that wrestling's lost today is just being a fight. It's it's more of a stage show, doing all these fancy little moves. But like Tolly and uh, Magnum TA are just rolling around on each other, just bloody and stabbing their each other in the eye stuff is so great yeah that's uh i mean that stuff is what wrestling was built on it's not built on the stuff that's going on today okay uh next match this is the one i just gave up basically well Uh, you did uh i I did want to mention that um the uh post-match interviews which i didn't like the post-match interviews at all but um, Wahoo McDaniels threatened to shoot Manny Fernandez with a gun. That is so awesome. <laughs> He's he, like, I'm going to get a gun and shoot you dead. Like, whoa. He, he probably would have. Yeah, okay. I believe it. Okay, so this is the one that I just did not get at all. Uh, Jay Lawler, who was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, defeated Kerry Von Erich, who was the WCWA Heavyweight Champion, because the referee stopped the match because of too much blood. Well, they actually, I thought how they set it up beforehand was pretty good and pretty clever because um, right after the Wahoo and Manny Fernandez match with all the blood, which they had kept the blood to, I think, 
nobody else uh, colored before the, that match, if I'm not mistaken. If I, well, Sergeant Slaughter did a little bit, but um, they had the, uh, I think it was Vern Gagne and um, the other promoter talking about how that the ref should have stopped that match mm-hmm. because of the blood, because there was no place for that in wrestling, and it was just too brutal. So um, I did like that. I, did I, like- I, I didn't at all because this is something. It's the unification match of, of the two titles. It's a big money match. It's Jay Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich. And it's Super Clash, which is ostensibly their big deal. And you stop the match because of blood. <laughs> well, I think. Um- Maybe if it was like a different match, that would have been a pretty clever finish. But two, you got to think um, they didn't want a winner in this match, like a definite winner. Well, they didn't want it in the sense that they, I mean, I'm I, this is just me editorializing, but they probably didn't want it because neither guy wanted to lose. Yeah, both guys wanted to stay strong. I mean, Jerry Lawler didn't want to lose, and I'm certain Kerry Von Erich. You know, being a Von Eric isn't used to losing. Uh, but that's, I, I, I mean, you, you, we can justify it, but it was still crap. Well, I don't think it's more or less they didn't want to lose. Their promoters probably didn't want Because these were like. Same, same difference. Yeah, it was like the AWA top guy and the world class top guy. But um, I, I vaguely remembered this finish, so I was uh, preparing for it. And um, I know how a lot of these like interpromotional things went too, and there was hardly ever a winner. Yeah, but it was just it, it would have been nice. It just the fact that oh god, I I get it, I get it, I get why they did it. It just looked bad. It's not like Carrie couldn't go. It, it it basically it put all the heat on the uh well, who was it the pr- the president or whoever it was uh yeah um oh, I can't think it I can't just, think of who it was at the moment it but. just it, there's no payoff it was it, I, I it, yeah this, there's there's no there's there's a reason that this crap didn't continue much longer <laughs> well it was a, it was a good match though um it was up until the end yeah, and it, that completely ruined it for me. Get it different time, different place, different set of circumstances. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, Ric Flair would wrestle like an hour Broadway. I, I, I get it. It's just, I, just it's so. At least with at least with like a double, at least like with a uh, time limit draw, uh, there's a reason for it that makes sense. Yeah. To me, this the finish really just didn't make sense. Well, I did like how uh, Jerry Lawler was like playing the heel, but he was trying to act like, not like act like a heel. Yeah. Um, because even the promo he cut afterwards, he's like, "I'm just as mad as you guys are that we they stopped this match." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, in that sense, I think I liked it uh, with, uh, and knowing that either company didn't want to put their. Uh, they didn't want their champion to go under. I think uh, it probably could have been done probably better. Probably I would have rather had a, I would have rather had a run in or something. Yeah, I think that would have been better. But I think they were just trying to come up with something that kept everybody looking strong. 
and uh, maybe it wasn't as effective as they thought it was going to be. So it, it, it would be a little more forgivable if it wasn't for the next match. All the... The Rock and Roll Express versus the Stud Stable. Yeah, when they said, uh, they were like, when we still have one more match, I'm like, what? Why do we... And what are we doing? That went. That was a double DQ. Yeah. Well, the crowd was just done uh, for this match. Uh, yeah, I was done too. I get it. I was too watching it. I was like, well, I've already seen <laughs> Jerry Lawler and Gary Von Erich. I was like, it's like I, I didn't care to see a Rock and Roll Express match. That's just wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love the I love the Rock and Roll Express. I love them to this day. I will watch them wrestle now. <laughs> I think uh, my theory for this was that they were supposed to go on earlier, but they forgot with all the car. And uh, then they're like, oh, crap, the Rock and Roll Express is here. We forgot to put them on because Ricky Morton probably went up to him and said, hey, when, when are we on? Like, oh, crap, go out there after this match. I'm sure that's not what happened, but that's what it seems like. Like they just forgot to put that match on. It makes as much sense as anything. <laughs> yeah, because it was just – it was like this match was – I'd never seen a more pointless match ever. And um, and it's, it's a shame because the Rock and Roll Express and the Stud Stable are good tag teams. And they've had some great matches in uh, like uh, USWA and Memphis and Tennessee. But yeah, it was it was pointless. This whole like I was enjoying this up until I don't know about halfway through it. And there's a point where it just. I don't know, maybe it was the boot camp match or something that just threw it for me, and it, like, flipped it. Um, generally speaking, also, this is not a very well-regarded pay-per-view. No. And there's a reason for that. It's not the nightmare that uh, uh, that, we've, that we've watched in the past. We've watched some bad stuff. I mean, we survived December to, <laughs> December <laughs> to dismember. Uh, but, like, I think, especially considering for the time frame, this probably... In context of other shows, probably is is just a, a, a sort of a bad show. Well, you got to think this was 1988. Uh, what WrestleMania were they on at this time? Uh, WrestleMania four, four. and um, the difference between this and WrestleMania four is just it's it's astounding. Um, like I said, just a simple fact with the video packages. Um. That just adds so much to the show. Uh, this show seemed like it was so small. And, uh, like, you were right. It's, it just seemed like it was a house show with, with bigger matches on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely were not filming this for television. Uh, well, I mean, they were, but they weren't. I don't think TV was the top thing on their mind. No, no. It was the 1,600 people in attendance. <laughs> I've been on shows with more than sixteen. Uh, or 1,672 people. So that's that's kind of sad. I mean, it's not the same thing, but the podcast goes out to more people than that. So Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, as soon as I saw that number, I was just like, wow. No one, like, because I don't even know how they paid for anything with that low of an attendance because I'm sure the UIC pavilion was not a cheap place to rent out. Well, I mean, there's a reason they didn't have another show the next year. Yeah. The, I, uh, well, the next, the next one was in 90. 
and it was in Minnesota. But AWA was on its last legs by this point. Yeah. Uh, it, it hung around for a few more years. But, I mean, they were trying anything they could do, but they were just gutted. And I think um, Jerry Lawler had a uh, – I think he ended up – I think this was a show where he left AWA, if I remember right, because remember. They, didn't, they didn't pay him for this show. Oh, God. If um, now I'm just going off the top of my head with this, okay. But um, yeah, um, I'm looking it up now. He, uh, yeah, um, issues with Vern Gagne led to his departure from AWA after this. Well, yep. he, I think he did okay. Oh yeah, he definitely. Jerry Lawler is amazing. He is uh, absolutely. I, he, he does not get the credit uh, that he deserves because Memphis wrestling was hot mm-hmm. for so many years. Um, they were like the top rated television show. They sold out uh, their arena like every Monday night. And, um, and it was all like Lawler was the, the man in Memphis. He, uh, he was just like a mega celebrity because they always, they always talk about how he's like, Oh, he was just a big fish in a small pond. Be like, Oh, he kept that pond filled with water. Absolutely. He did. (laughs) Yep. Yep. yep, And that's why would he leave? You know, he was part owner. So he made bank. Yeah. He was, he was making tons of money. I think that's what a lot of, uh, even wrestlers today, they're like, well, I want to go wrestle all over the country. I'm like, well, I would rather wrestle in one town every week. I'd rather wrestle at home. Yeah, make a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, he got to uh, spend time at home all the time. You know, he was he was the man. Mm-hmm. Okay, next week uh, we're going to talk about what are we talking about? Oh, what was it? Uh, Clash the Champions Clash- twenty five. Yep, and that had uh, Ric Flair versus Vader. I love, which, uh, I love Ric Flair and I love Vader, so this is going to be great. Which is topical. We Hopefully we send our best wishes out to oh, Vader. Oh, that's right. Vader, he's what, has less than two years? Yeah, that's that's a shame. It is. He Leon's uh, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, didn't you have a picture where you were wearing his mask or something? No, nah, I was, I was, I, my friend Jason was wearing his mask. Okay. But yeah, he, uh, and I've been seeing a lot of talk on the interwebs about uh, should he be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Vader was Vader was amazing. Uh, just his stuff in Japan. I mean, he beat Antonio Inoki, and he squashed Antonio Inoki in a match. His first match there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. Well, that was Antonio Inoki trying to build a beast to make a lot of money off of. Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, and it worked. Because I can imagine the people. I mean, that'd be like somebody coming in and beating Hulk Hogan in like fifteen seconds. That'd be like you know somebody coming in and beating Brock Lesnar in a minute and twenty six seconds. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> Just like that. We uh, bring it all around. Yep. Uh, so uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we are on Twitter as what? Take four. Take at, four. At, at take four wrestling at yep. take number four wrestling. Follow us. We tweet out stuff. 
it's been a couple weeks since we've had a, had an episode, so we haven't posted a new episode in two weeks. But uh, you know, we post all sorts of things. And uh, how about we start? Like, you don't you don't watch um, wrestling pay per views much, do you? Um, eh, not too much. Uh, but I will. How about I'm we start not against it? How about we start live tweeting um, wrestling pay per views? Well, we could do that. Yeah. I think it'd be Definitely. fun. I think it'd be fun. We just missed uh, the table ladders and chairs, uh, but maybe we can start with whatever the next pay-per-view is. Because uh, I'll definitely be watching Royal Rumble. Oh, it's my favorite pay-per-view of the year. And uh, Goldberg and uh, Lesnar are going to be in it. So Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I, I, I am personally on Twitter at BKilby, and I am on Instagram at Brian Kilby, B-R-I-A-N-K-I-L-B-Y. JT, how do people get a hold of you? Well, if you yell real loud out your window, I might just swing by. Or you can contact me on Facebook uh, through uh, tfradio.net slash H-O-G-G. And I'm also on Facebook at, at, on, at on Twitter. On, on Twitter. Not, you already on said, Twitter. Yeah. On Twitter. On the Twitter machine. <laughs> That's a new technology yeah. for me. Uh, it. It's at JT underscore H-O-G-G. We got to get your uh, Twitter account up. That's really? right. Yeah, I don't have very many followers. I'm... You haven't, you've only tweeted 120 times. That seems like a lot. Isn't that a lot? No. Oh, okay. I, I've hardly tweeted much at all <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. I'm over 13,000. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I guess I don't have more. I need more stuff to say. Yeah. I'm more active on my Facebook. Oh, absolutely I'm, you are. I'm old fashioned. I'm an old-fashioned man. In fact, I'm still using Internet Explorer right now as we speak. That's pretty cool. But um, I, I do have Chrome downloaded. so Awesome. Uh, let's see here. And uh, you can, of course, please, please, would you please, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find podcasts. We would appreciate it. It helps people find us. And um, we want to be found. That's why we're here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, follow all of our shows. Uh, you can find uh, Radio Free Cybertron and all of the other shows that we do at tfradio.net or on Twitter at tfradio or on Facebook at facebook.com slash tfradio. Well, I'm also thinking about starting up a GoFundMe. Um, it's going to be for diecast funeral experience expenses after I'm done with them. Man, you just jumped straight to funeral. You didn't even go to like medical expenses or anything like that. <laughs> just straight to funeral. I, I don't mess around. He's, he was talking some crap about me the other day, and I am not happy. That's true. He should know better. Okay, JT, uh, we will be back next week, promise, with uh, Clash of the Champions 25. Any parting thoughts? Just uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.